higher rates are not to be confused with rising rates. We aren't having a new high in mortgage interest rates. We haven't had a new high in the 10-year treasury. So we are seeing rates high, but they're still within the range that we've already seen. It's not a new peak. It's not a higher high and it's not rising. It's just high. Get ready for a new episode of KP Talks Dollars and Cents. Learn financial literacy and get real-time updates on all things housing, finance, and real estate. So let's get started. Here's your host, Kevin Perenio. Hey, it's KP coming to you live from Monterey Peninsula. We are here with a uh, Enact MI Executive Summit. Thanks for uh, the invite. Great partner of the industry. Uh, very involved in housing policy and um, just so much. So anyway, just very, very thankful for the team there. Rahit, Matt Young, and uh, Colin Kennedy, everybody else. Uh, all right, so what's going on? We had a huge jobs report last week, and it was interesting because we had uh, the ADP jobs report was a super high 460,000 plus number, and then only 209,000 jobs with the BLS report. Now, why the big disparity? I don't think that really matters. Um, wage inflation was not as high. Remember, the Fed is trying to fight inflation, and that is the fight that matters for mortgage rates or Fed um, open market committee moves. Are they going to do another 25 basis points in a couple weeks? Um, you know, the, the inflation fight is what matters. And so I, I heard something pretty interesting about the jobs report is that if you look, I, I think just maybe like six to 12 months back, even though the ADP is kind of maybe playing catch up to where the BLS jobs report's been, um, they both average something like 267 versus 272,000 jobs a month. So over like a certain amount of time, they kind of smooth out. And so averages over time, over six months, over 12 months, like the CPI index that's coming out tomorrow, the consumer price index, these numbers are averages and they usually are taken over time. And so, <clears throat> um, you know, that's the Fed doesn't want to be making decisions on interest rate policy, which impacts literally trillions of dollars of investment money around the world uh, based on month to month data. So they use indices, they use indexes, they use 12 months averages, which has sparked a lot of debate. Like, you know, so for example, the, the CPI tomorrow that comes out, the consumer price index has such a big percentage of housing in it. It's like 38 and a half percent. And one of those housing components um, is like owner's equivalent rent, um, you know, shelter away from home, and of course your home prices. Now, if you look at rent, taken as a 12-month index, 12 months ago, those numbers were very high for rent. But right now, if you are a new renter, you might actually be paying a little bit less than you would be in most markets than 12 months ago. And so, so just to recap how an index works, there's 12 different monthly numbers that are all added together in the index, and they come up with the overall average. And so tomorrow, when we have uh, the June CPI number, what will happen is the number from June of 2022 will be removed from the 12-month index, the 12-month average. That number from a year ago was 1.2% up. 
in one month in 2022, going from May 2022 to June 2022. So that 1.2 will come out on the headline number. And then June of 2023, last month, the CPI will be in there, which includes, for example, uh, rent, which has come down, um, housing prices, which we know um, has moderated. They're still up year over year um, and even up a little bit month to month. But, you know, not skyrocketing 20, 25, 28, 29% a year like it did in Seattle and Phoenix and San Francisco and all these markets. So when we watch the CPI number, the headline number is going to be pretty low. The, the, the anticipated number for headline CPI tomorrow is 3.1%. That's a low number. That's not four. That's not five. Now, of course, the Fed... Uh, wants to use the core uh, CPI number. Okay, so core excludes food, excludes energy, and then, you know, um, just looks at all these other numbers. And so I always find it funny that the Fed, like, you know, um, their their preferred inflation measure is the, uh, uh, you know, the PCE, right? So personal consumption expenditure. And there's a core reading for that too. And then there's a super core. So, of course, the one they prefer has a core and then a super core. But is that a super core tomorrow, is there? Anyway, the Fed's just looking for an excuse to keep rates higher for longer so we can sell more treasuries around the world and fund our government, which is in debt massively. And our GDP is anemic at best, you know, 2% last quarter, maybe 1.2, 1.3. We need to sell treasuries to fund everything we spend money on. And it's convenient for the Fed <clears throat> to pay for, uh, to, excuse me, to use numbers like core and super core on something that's got a high number, even though we all know that things aren't as expensive as they used to be. So used car index, the Mannheim index, I've talked about that over the years. Um, that's something that you know, is going to come out tomorrow. So, um, you know, it's part of the CPI. So anyway, we're going to be looking at this big number tomorrow and the headline number is going to look good, but the core CPI is going to be higher. And so everyone's going to be jockeying for for position on what the Fed is going to do next week at their open market committee meeting. Are they going to do another 25 basis points? The market seems it's like, as of right now, the market's like, absolutely, for sure. But then tomorrow, with new data, with that headline number coming down and the core number coming down, maybe the core number gets below four and the headline gets below three. That would be crazy, unlikely, but certainly would have the market going, oh, maybe they won't do a 25 next week. So right now, everyone thinks it's 25 and 25 the next two meetings. Maybe people are saying, hey, 25 and done, or maybe nothing. So, you know, new data brings new certainty. And then, of course, everyone talks about it. And then it's just a newer uncertainty with the new certainty of data. Anyway, um, PPI comes out on Thursday. That's the producer price index, which is the cost of inputs for goods sold. We are not paying for goods. We're paying for services in this economy. The consumer's strong. The consumer had a 2% GDP leading the way. Remember, consumer spending is about 70% of our gross domestic product, our entire country's economy. And the consumer is not really spending money on new goods, but they have enough excess money because their housing payment is fixed and low and their um, rent prices are coming down, car prices are coming down, um, wages went up, um, you know, for the last several years, 
uh, job quitters were making tons of money. And so that extra discretionary income is being spent on going out to dinner, going on, maybe, you know, booking a flight, going somewhere, traveling, getting in the car and going somewhere, maybe not buying furniture or a car or something that's a big good, which the PPI is showing that. It's been in contractionary territory for quite some time. The manufacturing data, China's PPI has been coming down, which is always kind of a precursor to us coming down. So goods being produced and producer uh, price uh, index numbers have been down and low and recessionary downright because people are spending money on services. So the non-housing services number is the big thing we want to look for this week in CPI. PPI is a great number. It's not the Fed's preferred measure of inflation. And that fight is still on. Now, a couple things I heard this week, which I thought were cool. Um, higher rates are not to be confused with rising rates. We aren't having a new high in mortgage interest rates. We haven't had a new high in the 10-year treasury. So we are seeing rates high, but they're still within the range that we've already seen. It's not a new peak. It's not a higher high and it's not rising. It's just high. So that's a big thing to, to, you know, that volatility of rates moving up and down has a big impact on what people do and what they spend money on. So let's not confuse rising rates with higher rates. So right now we're in the higher end of the range, but that could come down, especially after tomorrow or Friday, uh, Thursday, and with the CPI and PPI in the next two days. Okay. Um, I saw a pretty cool stat. Marina Walsh, the um, one of the economists uh, for the uh, MBA, Mortgage Banker Association, um, she had a great session yesterday I got to listen to, that the default ratio, the default percentage of uh, housing pretty much matches the unemployment rate. So right now we're at about a 3.6% unemployment rate. That's about the default rate, maybe a little bit less. So if the Fed wants to get to 4.6 unemployment rate to fight inflation, naturally we would think defaults would go up. We're still under supply. There's not going to be a bunch of stuff there but uh, to worry about. Let me touch on one more thing. Uh, the South has gained 2.2 million people, and they have $100 billion added to their economy. The South is now uh, has a higher GDP than the Northeast, first time ever. And the NASDAQ 100 is going to rebalance at the end of the week. Watch all the big fang stocks and watch how that works. I'm not responsible for your losses, only your profits. Have a good one. Cheers. Fingers crossed for tomorrow. You've been listening to KP Talks Dollars and Cents, a top-rated show for those who want to learn about the economy and mortgage environment. Tune in each week for more episodes, and please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Kevin Perenio does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through KP Talks Dollars and Cents. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. For more info, follow KP Talks Dollars and Cents on all of our social channels.